What's important to understand is that the joint work of a team is not static. It's changing, right? Changing over time all the time and requires regular updating. There are usually some topics that are standard and ongoing, and there are typically many topics that change week to week and month to month. Welcome to Transformative Leadership Conversations. This special season is a team development masterclass, and my co-host is Peter Axelson, who is a 35-year team development expert whose methodology we're showcasing. This masterclass will help team leaders and members gain insights, tactics, and tools for building effective teams. And at the end of every episode, we offer an exercise that you can use with your own team. To access all these and more, download the podcast companion directly from the show notes or from my website at www.winniedasilva.com by clicking on the podcast tab. So in today's episode, we're talking about joint work. So you're probably wondering, what is that? What's joint work? So this building block is about identifying the shared work of the team. And one of the things that I love about today's episode and this whole building block of joint work is that it's a very unique way of thinking about what's needed in developing effective teams. Peter, would you share how you developed this building block and why it's such a powerful tool for teams? Yeah, sure. Funny story. So it's about pizza. Very early in my career, I was meeting with a group of managers. And one of them said, he was really frustrated. I don't understand why you even need to be a team. And a few other people nodded. So it was pretty clear we needed to address this. So I stepped up to the whiteboard and I drew an image of a pizza with eight slices. And then I drew a circle around the center of the pizza, like midway between the point and the crust. And I said, let's say that each of you is one of these slices. So and let's break the work you need to do into two categories, crusts and points. And they're looking <laughs> at me like, this guy lost his mind. <laughs> so I said, the crusts represent the work that you do that's not interdependent with anybody else in the room here today, right? You can do it effectively on your own. You don't need to collaborate. You don't need to be a team on that work. Mm -hmm. So the points are really different. Now they're starting to get this a little bit. You know, I said, the points represent that work that entails a lot of interdependence with other people in the room. It can't be done effectively mm -hmm. by you as an individual. It requires collaboration across the full team. So to use your language, I said on the crust work, you don't need to be a team. But on the points work, if you're not working as a team, you're sunk. Mm -hmm. So I said, let's talk specifically about this points work. And the question that I asked them was this. I said, what is that work that you must do together in order to deliver on your objectives this year? And interesting, this turned out to be a breakthrough conversation for the team. They were able to identify the work that they really did need to do together. They identified some work that they really didn't need to do together. And this was turned out to be the birth of some tools that have been client favorites for a few decades now. So I just love this story. It must have been happening around lunchtime for you to have this story around pizza. <laughs> this is so funny. I don't remember. So I've used this building block with a lot of clients, and it really is a game changer for many of them to understand what's really important for the team, for the work that that team needs to be working on, and also where they don't need to work together as a team. Yeah, it's just as important. It's just as important, right? I know that there's one other category of work that you added later on. Could you explain this addition and how it fits in with the other two that you've just described? Not long after that day at the whiteboard, I realized that I had missed something, that there is a third category of work. Mm -hmm. That's that work where there's interdependence and a need for collaboration between some, but not all members of the team. So that's what I now call um, subgroup work. So these days we think about 
the work in a team is having three types. Individual work, where there's no interdependence between people, and so there's no need for collaboration. That's the crust. The subgroup work, maybe we call that mid-slice. I never came up with a name for it, but that's where there's collaboration between pairs or smaller groups, but not the whole. And then what we call the joint work. And the language we use to define that now is that joint work is the high value, highly interdependent work that must be done together. So that's the points. The work we end up doing these days is really helping groups identify at least the work that's in the joint work category, maybe some of the subwork category, and they can usually sort out the individual category on their own. As Winnie said, it's a breakthrough conversation and a very different way of thinking about things. Yeah. And in fact, we think about the joint work as being the glue for any team, right? Because the work the team does together is what connects them to each other and essentially makes them a team. However, both the type and relative amount of joint work can vary a lot across different teams. So we think about it as a continuum. At one end of the continuum are teams where the joint work is a small portion of their total work. So imagine small points, large cross on the pizza image. And at the other end of the continuum are teams where the joint work is a large portion of their total work. And on that one, you imagine large points with small crusts on the pizza image. So generally speaking, Peter and I typically see two types of patterns. So as the size of the team increases, the amount of the joint work decreases. And as the functional diversity of the team increases, the amount of the joint work also decreases. So what this means is that large, diverse teams tend to actually have less joint work, but the joint work that they do have can be very important. So some teams identify many topics on which they believe they must work together, and in other teams, they might have only two topics. So to be clear, having more joint work is not necessarily better than less joint work. We're just simply describing the reality for the team. And having clarity on this reality is, of course, really critical for the team to work on the right topics at the right time to get the results they want as a team. So, Peter, you've come up with a compelling prompt, which you just kind of alluded to a minute ago, for teams to use that does a great job of helping teams articulate this joint work that we're talking about. Could you talk a little bit about this question and how it's helpful for teams? Let me just talk a little bit about grappling. Mm-hmm. So what we call yeah. grappling. So, you know, every once in a while, we discover a question that turns out to be particularly powerful in terms of the benefits that come from a team grappling with it. And this one that I've already mentioned has turned out to be one of those. And so the question is, in order for this team to deliver on our business objectives this year, what is the high value, highly interdependent work that we must do together, right? And so what's interesting about this, you know, I started asking this question of teams more than 30 years ago. And since then, without exception, Every single team, after some robust debate, has changed how they define their work. Essentially, they decided that they weren't doing the right work together. So every single one to varying degrees. So I think that's what makes this a really powerful question is because it really highlights this really important issue for teams. That's right. It's absolutely critical. And it really summarizes it in one question that you're asking. And I wonder why team leaders actually haven't asked themselves that question before. And then you realize that this idea of joint work really does open up a whole new way of thinking about the work a team should be doing together in the first place. Yeah. The values in the grappling. So when teams take a look at this question and really dig into it together, we see a few things happening. So one thing that happens is teams realize that some of the topics that they've been spending on in meetings 
are neither high value nor highly interdependent across the whole team. And so they drop them, or sometimes they'll push them to subgroups. And that work gets going to get done there now. Yeah. Some teams realize, and this happens a lot, that there's some really important topics that they should be working on together. They're not working on together at all. <laughs> this always amazes me when I see and they see the list of work that's not been getting done by the team. Right? That's right. So they add that to the team's agenda. So when thinking about all the factors that contribute to team effectiveness, you might say that this one is pretty important. A yeah. team could be very capable on many dimensions, but if that team's not working on the right things together, I mean, the rest really doesn't end up mattering. Yeah, I guess another way I would say that is mm-hmm. if they're not working on the right content, there's yeah. nothing about their process that even matters. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. So this is just fundamental. Every team at the end of the day has got to define their most important work. So, Peter, you actually have a really good story that illustrates this concept of joint work. Could you share that story about the IT managers that you worked with a few years ago? Yeah, sure. This is an interesting story with uh, maybe an unanticipated outcome. (laughs) So it was a a large group of IT managers. I recall, I think there were 16 people in the team. They met every two weeks. So in talking with the team leader, the presenting problem that he brought was people hate our meetings. There's tension and frustration. People are describing them as a waste of time. And so this guy was really struggling. He was trying to figure out, he wanted to pull this group of people together, but they were resisting his efforts. And so he was trying to figure out how to respond to these complaints. This leader had made the mistake that we see all the time. And that is this, that because all of these people reported to him, he considered that group to be a team or his team or however you want to think about it. And I don't want to go too far into the weeds on semantics, but my view is that one of the prerequisites for being called a team is you've Mm -hmm. got to have some amount of joint work. Right. So I introduced this framework with the three types of work, individual work, subgroup work, and joint work. And then I posed the question to this team, what is the high value, highly interdependent work that you must do together in order to deliver on your business objectives? After a long morning, their conclusion was that there is none. (laughs) They discovered that they had no joint work, that there was not one topic that they felt really was relevant to all of them. So another way to think about this is that they discovered that they had no clue. I mean, to me, this sounds really stressful. I mean, this team discovering that you were working with, that they had no clue. So what happened? What was their reaction when making this discovery? It was a breakthrough conversation for them. You're right. But interestingly enough, their reaction wasn't more stress. It was relief. And as we're slowly working through this, you could almost see the tension dissipating as they came to this realization. So their solution was actually a great one. So they decided to split the team into two smaller teams, each of which turned out had a lot of joint work, Hmm. and then to establish some simple processes for keeping each other informed and to coordinate activities where that was needed. Hmm. So what was interesting about this, they ended up with a new team structure. They ended up with some new processes for coordination and collaboration between those that they needed. But they also had two other, I think, big outcomes or benefits from this. This idea that they always needed to be sure they were working on the most important work together and mm-hmm. to keep asking themselves that question. So we find, I think this probably resonates for you too, it's very common for teams to drift away yeah. from that work that is most important. They get sucked into the stuff that's urgent. Right? That's right. And the other thing that they, I think, really gained here was this idea that their meeting agendas must focus only on joint topics. Mm -hmm. and that they shouldn't be including subgroup topics and things like that in there that are only relevant to some of the people present. So they ended up with a new team structure as a result of grappling with this one big question, new team structure, new Mm -hmm. processes for coordinating there, 
and some big ideas around the most important work and better meetings. That sounds like a huge win. And like you said, unexpected, but still brought a ton of value, I'm sure, to that client. Yep. You mentioned at the end just now how clarity on the important work of a team will directly impact things like their meeting agendas. So we're going to address work processes in a lot more detail in the next episode, episode six. But let's talk about a few high-level ideas right now. So meetings are one example of a work process, and they're a mechanism for accomplishing the work. The story that Peter just told is a good example of a team's work processes not being reflective of the team's joint work. So in that case, this team spent a lot of time in meetings, but they had zero joint work, which means they were wasting a ton of time and had good reason to be frustrated, right? So, but in other teams, we actually see the opposite. Teams that actually have a lot of joint work, but they're not spending nearly enough time to accomplish it. So what's important here is to make sure that the work processes used by the team, so methods of communication, meetings, decision-making, et cetera, are built to reflect both the type and the amount of joint work that the team has to do. Yeah, lots of teams don't get that right. No, they don't get it right, right? And that's the rationale behind the order of our three related building blocks that we're talking about. So business objectives, the last episode, joint work, this one, and then work processes, the next one. So Peter... Let's talk about how we help teams discover their joint work in a little bit more detail. Why don't you start? So as we said in previous episodes, we work with teams that are just forming, we work with teams that have been together for many years, and everything in between. If the assessment process indicates there's a need for more clarity on the joint work of a team, we've got a time-tested approach for helping them. So we're going to give you a really high-level glimpse of that here. So We start with the team's business objectives, as we've already said. So we need to make sure that they have them, make Mm -hmm. sure that people understand them, have Mm -hmm. the same understanding of them, and make sure that people believe they're the right ones. Right. And then what comes next is that powerful question we keep mentioning, right? So in order to meet these business objectives, what is the high value, highly interdependent work that the team must do together over the next six to 12 months? And like we were saying before, for most people, this is a completely new way of thinking about the team and thinking about their work. And the conversation here is always messy, at least for a while. So we warn people about this at the start so they're not going to be surprised. And this work is best done in a workshop setting where we can coach the team along the way. Yeah, I think that's a really important point here. I tell people, fasten your seatbelts. This is going to be messy. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be annoyed. and You're going to be confused. But when we get to the other end of this, I think you're going to really like this way of thinking about work. The other thing, Peter, I think is worth pointing out is I said, you know, it's done in a workshop setting. It's not one workshop. It's usually like up to three to really get it right and to nail some of the stuff down. Yep. So after we look at that, then the next thing we do is introduce these different categories of joint work. And there are seven that we've identified that tend to be pretty helpful. And really what we're trying to do here is to get people to think broadly. First is day-to-day operations. It's pretty obvious. Second is their cyclical business processes, budgeting, goal setting, talent review, that kind of thing. And those, the cycle could be weekly, monthly, annually, that kind of thing. Projects, right, what they're working on. Mm-hmm. On the strategy that's in place where this being developed, they might be focusing some work on current business challenges. And then the last two are the development of the organization and the development of the leadership team. So lots of leadership teams don't necessarily think about those things as being part of their shared work, but they really should be. So we found these seven work pretty well. Our objective, mm-hmm. as I said, is to really encourage people to think broadly mm-hmm. about how they define their work. Some teams will add to these categories. 
And that's fine. I'm always happy when people mess with our frameworks and mm-hmm. find ways to improve them. So yep. anyway, so we look at these seven categories and then we offer one more way of thinking about this. And that is in each of these categories, there are two types of work, information sharing and information processing. So information sharing is just like what it sounds like. It's a pure one-way flow of information with clarification if it's needed. That's all. Information processing is everything else. Analysis, Mm -hmm. prioritization, decisions, planning, this kind of thing. And so these two, it's pretty helpful to make this distinction between information sharing or what we call IS and information processing, which are shorthand as IP, because these are very different ways of engaging. They can occupy different places on meeting agendas and they require a really different kind of steps along the way to get the work done. So this language, the information sharing and information processing actually comes from a guy named Tom Kaiser. He's the author of a book, Mining Group Gold. I think I read this in 1990s, 33 years ago. And I think it's pretty safe to say that I probably have used or referred or thought about this ISIP distinction every week since then. So it was really useful. Great idea. Yeah. And by the way, we're going to put the book that Peter just mentioned in the show notes so you can access it if you'd like. And this whole idea of sharing and information processing, it's really about the language and the distinction because probably all of us intuitively know that this stuff happens, but to really clarify it, I think is where the value comes from. We're making it explicit. Yeah, exactly. That's right. The conversation Peter just described is typically an interesting and fruitful conversation for the team. It really is an eye-opener. And some common reactions we hear from clients include, I can't believe all the important (laughs) things that we've been not been doing, right? We really have been wasting our time on a bunch of low-value topics. Or, yikes, how are we going to get all this done, right? When it's time to look at the team's work processes, meetings, communications, decision methods, etc., the question we ask is this. Given your business objectives and given the joint work that you have defined, so for new teams, what processes need to be built for you to do this work? And for existing teams, what changes do you want to make to your current work processes? So we get into more detail on robust work processes, like we said in the next episode. What's important to understand is that the joint work of a team is not static. It's changing, right? Changing over time all the time and requires regular updating. There are usually some topics that are standard and ongoing, and there are typically many topics that change week to week and month to month. Yeah. I referred to earlier to kind of mapping things to a calendar. So one mm-hmm. of the outcomes of this work is not just to define the joint work in each of these categories, but also to think about uh, the calendar and which of these topics need to be addressed when over the course of a month or over the course of a year. So you can see very much how the joint work topics will change from time to time. Our experience has been that it usually takes most teams about six months to get comfortable with this, with identifying their joint work, with building these topics into their team meeting agendas and things like this. But people pick it up fairly quickly. So before long, we've got this new language now, joint work, the different buckets, ISIP, and these are baked into the team's lexicon. And so now you're going to have to be explaining to anybody that new shows up what you're talking about. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So Peter... People who are listening right now might be thinking, gosh, this is a new way of thinking, very different, and it sounds like a lot of work. What would you say to someone who might say, is figuring out the joint work of a team really that important? And what would be the benefits of defining the joint work of my team? What would you say to that? I guess I have two answers. So the example that I gave earlier in this episode, I said, every single team that I've met that's invested some time grappling on this topic, grappling with this question, 
has concluded that they've been doing the wrong work together, at least to some degree, in some cases wow. to a very large degree. That's a pretty strong argument for making this investment because as mm -hmm. you said a few minutes ago, fundamentally, if the team is not doing the right work together, nothing else matters. Right? That's right. I guess the second thing, teams that have gone through this process of defining the joint work and now have these tools, some new practices to continue to do this work on their own, also tend to develop some other important attributes. Like for example, they tend to be really focused on the most important work. I think that's mm -hmm. really big. They don't lose sight of that. Because their glue is really clear, mm -hmm. there's less tension around their identity. This glue is really interesting because I think even more so than shared objectives, being able to nail down that's the work we need to do together really pulls a group together. Mm -hmm. uh, meetings are going to be more productive and efficient because they're focusing on shared topics rather than subgroup topics and things like this. Time's going to be used more efficiently. And I think collaboration is more likely to happen in the right places when it needs to and to be fruitful because as a team now, we know this is the work we need to do together and this is the subgroup work and we can identify and here have really good clarity around those boundaries. So in addition to just defining the joint work, there's a lot of other ancillary benefits that show up. Yeah. Yeah. So Peter, I think you thoroughly nailed the many benefits from focusing on the joint work of the team. And I think that's a great way to wrap up our conversation on joint work. So you and I had some long debates about an appropriate exercise for this episode. Yeah, long debates, you know, hours. Long debates. <laughs> and the ROI from work on this building blocks, Peter's just described, are among the highest across all of the building blocks. It's also the most unique building block. And it's also the hardest to do on your own because, again, we've said this before, it's a very different way of thinking about the work of a team. And it's always messy. Yeah. So here's <laughs> what we've decided to do. Mm-hmm. We decided that the exercise related to this episode should not mirror the process that we use with teams with the seven categories, IS and IP, building the joint work into meeting agendas. We've got a certain way of doing that, mapping joint work to the calendar. We just didn't want to set you off on a messy, frustrating, disappointing experience and exercise. We decided not to do that. So instead, yep. uh, we're offering a simpler exercise that we think can be quite helpful. And mm -hmm. it's a start of grappling with a very similar kind of big question. And then if you're intrigued with what you've heard on this episode and uh, you're grappling with this question we're going to give you has turned out to be somewhat productive and you want to go further, uh, Winnie can help you. That's right. The objective of this exercise that we're going to introduce is to start, keyword start, to define the most important work for the team to be doing together. So the outline is this. In order to do this exercise, you must first have the shared objectives at the team level that are clear and they've been agreed upon by the team. Next, you'll want to talk to the team about what you want to do and why. In fact, you might even want to share this episode with the team so they can get a good understanding of the joint work kind of overall. Then you're going to review the team's shared objectives. Next, you'll discuss robustly the following question. In order to meet these objectives we just reviewed, what is the most important work that we should be doing together? That conversation needs to be not just a cursory one, but a good um, yes. kind of dig in and grapple with it and really That's work, right. kind of work it. Yep. That's right. That's right. Then you're going to ask the team, how does our answer to this question that we just talked about and we've just really come up with some thoughts on? compared to what we spend our time together on today. So if it's quite similar, then you know you're focusing on the right things. If there's a really big difference and a wide gap, then this is where I can help. 
You can think about this exercise as a sort of diagnostic with your team on answering this question. To what degree are we doing the most important work together? Earlier in this episode, we told you that every team we've worked with has concluded that they have not been doing the most important work together, to varying degrees, and likely that'll be the case for you. So give this a try and see what you learn. Remember, to access all of these exercises and more, download the podcast companion directly from the show notes or from my website at www.winniedasilva.com by clicking on the podcast tab. Peter and I would love to hear about your experience and what resonated with you during today's episode. You can do that by emailing me at winnie at going to my website, or reaching out to me on LinkedIn. Next up, episode six, where Peter and I talk about how robust work processes are critical for a team to be effective. The top four, setting priorities, meetings, decision-making, and interfacing with key stakeholders. So what we find is that teams with a process mindset They're explicitly and deliberately focused on building and refining lean processes for doing that work. They tend to be more effective. Teams that don't have that kind of a process are much less effective. And so what we find is that process is a very clear differentiator here. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Transformative Leadership Conversations. If you're ready to take your leadership to the next level or empower your teams for success, I'm here to help. Reach out to me directly or check out my website to learn more about my work in coaching executives, developing critical leadership skills, and working with clients to build effective teams. And your feedback matters. Please consider leaving a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and sharing this episode with a friend who can benefit. Thanks again for listening.